welcome to the Royal Pharmaceutical Society's Pharmacene podcast, our regular look at the world of pharmacy with guests from every sector and speciality. If you're a pharmacist, membership of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society will support your career, build your skills and represent your interests. Visit www.rfarms.com forward slash rps hyphen membership to find out more. And now on with our Pharmacene podcast. Welcome to this festive Pharmacene. I'm Catherine Walker, RPS Museum Officer. Uh, with it being the Christmas season, we have something a little different today with the Oral Apothecary. I'll be reviewing a selection of vintage pharmacy Christmas adverts. The good, the bad and the very, very ugly. But before we get started on that thankless task, let's meet our brave guests who will be confronting those pharmacy ghosts of Christmas past. I'm Paris Diodoniai. I work two days a week at the Royal Pharmaceutical Society as chief scientist and I work three days as an academic at King's College London. And from the Oral Apothecary podcast, we have Jamie. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie. I'm a pharmacist from South Wales. I'm director of the Welsh Medicines Resource Centre and also an executive coach. And we have STC, Steve the Chemist. Hello, everybody. Yep, I'm the clinician on the oral apothecary. So worked in hospital for 25 years and now last six years working in primary care. So my real job is a senior clinical pharmacist at a large urban primary care network in Bournemouth, but wear very many hats. And we have Paul Paul Gibson or Gimmo, former director of Pharmaceutical Society in Wales, but currently assistant director for quality improvement at Comtaf Morganag University Health Board and one of the hosts of the Oral Apothecary podcast. Thank you, everybody. We're going to have a look at printed advert from pharmacies festive past. These are all real adverts all taken from actual trade magazines from the 1950s, and all of them were trying their very best, in some cases a little bit too hard, to convince poor, naive community pharmacists that every one of these products was the perfect gift for a loved one in the run-up to Christmas. What can I say? It was a different time. Our first round is called Wow, Thanks. So let's brill cream our hair, pull up our bobby socks, and take a trip back to the 1950s. So, panel members, what do you want for Christmas? Because whatever it is, I think we can safely say that it's none of these items. They're a triumph of the overconfident marketing men of the 50s, blithely trusting their own abilities to sell anything to anyone at Christmas, despite all evidence to the contrary. Or perhaps they were drunk. It was the 1950s after all. So we're exploring some of the more questionable gifts available in the pharmacy that might leave recipients to say, wow, Thanks. And we'll start with a topical gift this Christmas season. It's the Baco tea flask, which is a thermos and it comes with a eye-catching display for the pharmacy and it has a separate milk bottle so that you can carry your milk around and keep it cool. Gimmo, would you want to receive a Vaco tea flask? You know what? I love a flask because I go walking a lot and a flask is fantastic, but there's one thing you never put in a flask and that's tea. It stews, it tastes disgusting. So no, I wouldn't like this. Anyone else? I love a flask. Still get flask envy in 2022. I'm drawn to displays of them when when out and about and have way, way too many. 
that leads us on quite nicely to our next gift, which is, again, another quite topical one, a perfumed hot water bottle. The tagline for this is, it's new, it's unique, it's perfumed. And it's the Super Seal Old English Lavender Perfumed Hot Water Bottle. Anyone putting their hands up for a hot water bottle this winter? It is quite topical, actually, and sad to point this out, but because of the cost of living crisis, I think we're all being forced to use hot water bottles just to keep ourselves warm. This is a useful gift to give. I know this is a Christmas edition as well, but still a little bit concerned. I saw the stats the other day from our local burn centre on accidents with hot water bottles, and that was quite alarming. So don't put boiling water in your hot water bottle at Christmas time. I've got a fact for you that's going to reduce those burns. On the neck of every hot water bottle, there's a little flower, it looks like. Do you know what that is? A hot water bottle, you're only supposed to use it for three years. And so the flower on the neck of a thing in the centre, there's two numbers. That's the year it was made. And then the petals are the month. And you know then from three years from that date, you're supposed to throw it away. No way. That is amazing. (laughs) That's a public service announcement. I mean, obviously, I wasn't around in the 50s, but... They didn't come with a cover. If you buy one now, it has a cover on top of it. I always remember hot water bottle being one of my signals that I was in a crap pharmacy because <laughs> it would be on that set of shelves where you had all the sort of yardly perfumes and, and then the bottom shelf would just be hot water <laughs> bottles and, and other stuff. Well, I'm glad that you said that because you mentioned Yardley because this is a lavender one. But I was thinking if you wanted to build your brand, you know, back in the 50s, this one's lavender. But why haven't they got Lily of the Valley as well? That is very 50s. (laughs) I don't know how long these perfumes would last for, whether they would start to go a bit funny after a while. Oh, I think we better ask our academic that. What would happen if you put lavender in boiling water? On hot rubber. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not not sure how this mechanism worked, but... Can I just ask STC a question? What would you not want to pour boiling water on, STC? Can you remember from our pilot episode? Is it Angel's trumpet? It is indeed correct. (laughs) Why wouldn't you want to put boiling water on Angel's trumpets? Well, that is for the listener to find out. Ah, We'll be heading over to episode one of the Oral Apothecary. No, it, it's a pilot episode. It yeah, never made it in. It's on the cutting room it. floor. That oh. wasn't the only thing that was cut off in that story. <laughs> I don't think I want to know. On that note, moving swiftly on to the last and definitely least, the worst idea I think I've ever seen for a present, and that is the nail brush. We've got a grey advert. It comes in six glowing colours, and we have a man showing you how to use it in case you were unsure of exactly how a nail brush works. Paris, do is this the worst gift idea you've ever heard of? Sometimes it's people's reaction that's the real eye-opener. Like the time I gave my friend some atropine. I mean, all of these gifts, they're pretty useful gifts, aren't they? Yeah, a bit, a bit sexist maybe, but I think we are in the 1950s, so we probably can expect this to be a bit sexist, can't we? Yeah, maybe it's the ultimate his and her gift. You know, you've got a pink one and a blue one in case you need a uh, couple's nail brushes. I'm actively contemplating that. Is anyone going to admit the worst gift that they've ever given somebody? I'm pretty good at presents, me. Go on, Paris, too, what are you going to say? Well, are you ready for this? Is it another gag? Yeah, it's all about the preparation, I tell you. Well, and timing. (laughs) And delivery. So I gave my friends some camembert one Christmas. And what I didn't know was that they were also taking amitriptyline at the time. So it was hard cheese, really. (laughs) Have you got a a writer for these? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was me at midnight. Thanks. Shall I fire me? 
If you listen to last year's special, it was from the 18-something, wasn't it, with the pharmacist Fanny Potter? And I'm wondering if maybe you've been sucking too much on the cocaine and diamorphine lozenges that were discussed in that episode. (laughs) That rounds off round one pretty well. I think we'll move on to the next section, which is called Nightmare Fuel. And these are gifts that were designed for children available from the pharmacy that are likely to have left hundreds, if not thousands of the nation's youth in urgent need of counselling. We've already discussed one kind of hot water bottle. We're going to move on to Dunlop's children's hot water bottle. These are hot water bottles that the top is shaped like a doll's head. And going with the clown for this advert might not have been the wisest idea because this clown might be the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. But don't worry, it has a doggy and a kitty version and a teddy. So I'm hoping they are slightly less terrifying. Steve, would this have given you nightmares? Absolutely. That is terrifying. You're absolutely right. But one thing I will say, it's a Christmas edition as well, is you look at all these adverts, and obviously they're from the 50s, but it takes me back to the pharmacist in A Wonderful Life and the sorts of things that they were probably selling. And I just wondered if the listener could remember who the pharmacist was in A Wonderful Life. I've never seen it. What? You need to write that wrong immediately. Anyway, it was, of course, Mr. Gower. (laughs) You're right. It's very frightening, though. I would not want to have that water bottle. Thank you. One of the few pleasures of being a parent is making your kids jump, trying to scare them. So I'd be tempted to get this as a bit of a gag and see see the reaction. This sums up the 1950s attitude toward children, I think, doesn't it? They should be seen and not heard. Unless they're screaming. Exactly. Yeah. But then, you know what? Maybe they'd had too much Actifed. You no, know, it's like promethazine, basically. So, you know, it used to be given a lot to, I mean, and I wasn't born in the 50s, but, you know, in the 70s. So, yeah, ActiFed, baby. You didn't give five mils of Calpol to help kids to go off to sleep. You used to give them 10 or 15 mils of ActiFed. Don't try yeah. that at home, kids. I think all listeners are responsible pharmacists. I think they'll know that. The second advert is for children's TV favourite, Mr Turnip. And he was a children's TV character, apparently. He was on TV from 1950 to 1956. And if you Google Mr. Turnip, he was a puppet. And in his own right, as a children's TV character, he was quite terrifying. But this advert is for soap. So they've turned Mr. Turnip into a soap man. And on the advert, you can see him peering outside of his little box, sinisterly peering out of the window in his box. So there's multiple levels of terrifying for this one. Well, I thought it was like, you know, in Toy Story, where that guy who paints up the old Toy Story models and then puts them in a box and sends them off. Do you remember that? That's what it looks like. You're right. It's very, very disconcerting in the little box with peeping out through the perspex. You're dead right there, Catherine. It looks awful. It reminds me of something that the Apprentice TV series would come (laughs) up with on episode five or six. I'm just hoping that they used flannels back in the day. (laughs) yeah it's quite misshapen isn't it i do remember getting shaped soaps is that still a thing yeah soap on a rope no but shaped soap shape into characters you know popular cartoon that is that still a thing i don't know but i do remember getting that stocking fillers and stuff i think i had a c3po one yeah 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 that's the sort of thing We do have a few shaped soaps in the collection, but what I'm worried about is what happens here when you've used these a few times and they start to melt. Mm. Are you just faced with the slow decay of Mr. Turnip? Quite a tragic allegory for life for kids as they're sort of getting ready for school in the morning. 
I hope you don't have nightmares after this round. I think maybe we should move on to something equally as terrifying, and that's the sexist adverts from the 1950s. We're calling Battle of the Sexes. So unlike today, apparently, women hadn't been invented in the 1950s, and they were just two genders, and that was dads and boys, and everyone was just fine with that. Occasionally, you would get a mum pop up for Christmas, but people couldn't figure out for the life of them what mums would want for Christmas. So this round has a look at figuring out what mum might have wanted. And we have an advert for record Tony sales. So Tony was a kind of brand of hair care products, hair curlers. And uh, this advert for Tony says that it's the natural desire of all women for their hair to look its best over the holiday. And I think that's a pretty bold claim. Uh-huh. All women is their natural desire. I think it really shows people's attitude at the time. Has anything changed when we think about marketing hair care to women? No. I mean, come on. You see them on the TV and it says, what you've just said, they make some stupid claim. And then if you look closely, as because we're all scientists, and it'll say six out of seven people agreed with this. It's no different now, is it? I mean, I think women are still made to feel really bad about themselves with adverts. And most marketing is just targeted at driving for perfection. So I'm not sure much has changed. No, it's more explicit here, isn't it? I think they try and hide it and mask it and it's more subtle, but it's exactly the same, I think. I think what's interesting about these adverts is that because they're aimed at the pharmacists, they're not aimed at the direct audience. Like you say, they're being more explicit of women will want to buy this and you'll make loads of money off them. And they're actually saying the quiet bit out loud here. Yeah. Yes, they definitely do all say that, actually. Most of these adverts you've shown us, don't they? They're, it's all about you'll be able to sell lots of them and make lots of money. Are they curlers? Yeah, there's curlers and you can get the starter kit, you can get the standard kit and you can also get the junior kit. So really kind of getting into the younger crowd there for their curlers. So would you like curlers as a Christmas present? I mean, I have been known to ask for a hairdryer for Christmas, but I think think this might be um, a step too far. Seeing as we're talking sexism at the minute, I always think about curlers is that People who've got straight hair want curlers and people who've got curly hair want straight hair. What's that about? That's marketing for you, isn't it? I don't have any hair, so I don't need to worry about it. Well, don't think that the men have been left out because we have another advert here for Brill Cream, everybody's favourite. And we have a nice bouffanted man, if that's a word, holding his pot of Brill Cream. And the tagline says, what size Christmas stocking does he take? It's a bit edgy, which would be right at home on the Oral Apothecary (laughs) podcast. And there is a lady at the back, isn't there? And she's sort of pensively with her pen and paper out sort of saying, hmm, I wonder what size he would like for his Brill Cream. At least Brill Cream's still going, I think, isn't it? I like this bit. Display Brill Cream in the windows on your counters and take full advantage of this bold Brill Cream half page in the Daily Express. I would imagine that advert is still in the Daily Express. Probably not changed much, has it, the Daily Express, sadly. For the listener, this is a black and white picture. And the only reason why it looks like Christmas is it says the word Christmas. And it looks like a five-year-old has drawn two pieces of holly, one on either side. And that's it. So it's hardly Christmassy, is it? Is that because they're confident in their Brill Cream sales all year round? They don't have to put much effort in for the Christmas market. I think so. And hence why it's still available today. Would you mind if I just tell you a little story though about this sort of sexism thing so those of you who listen to the oral apothecary will know that my dad was one of my heroes he's and he was a pharmacist he's retired now 
But we used to, he used to own a pharmacy business in Milford Haven in West Wales. And I used to help him there around about 1985 now. So I was about 15 or 16. And at Christmas, there were all these horrible looking massive box sets, you know, with the lavender or the lily of the valley. And you'd have talcum powder and perfume and bath foam and something else. And he put them in the shop, you know, and he'd go, I'll tell you what, we'll be having a competition, he said, with everyone that's working. And somebody will sell like the biggest, most ridiculous Yardley lavender or lily of the valley. And I guarantee you when it will happen will be on Christmas Eve when some bloke who finished early from working for the council has gone to the pub. He's had a few drinks. He thinks I better get something extra for the wife. He comes in, bingo, I'll sell him that big Yardley box set and jobs are good. And it always used to happen. I can remember that on Christmas Eve when I was working in a pharmacy. Like There's an uptick the closer you get to Christmas, there's sort of a panic buy. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. A friend of mine works for a pharmacy chain and he'll often tell us the perfume sales the numbers skyrocket in that last week and then on the Christmas Eve. So yeah, it's true. Presumably there's been more marketing towards men in recent years. Has there been a sort of slow increase of marketing towards men for these kind of toiletries for men? Well, Jamie, you've got three boys and I've got one boy. Yeah, they seem to spend a lot more time manicuring and looking at their hair than I ever did. Would you agree, Jamie? Well, I don't like to bring my kids into this podcast. (laughs) Well, they don't listen. I thought we were all metrosexuals here. You'd use the odd bit of moisturiser. Well, Jamie, you're a strawberry blonde, so you don't have to work too hard. Do you just have to be aware of the sun? As does everybody have to be aware of the sun? Let's not trivialise it. Do you know, one thing I have noticed, though, about adverts, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but adverts for men are kind of designed to show products as fortifying, whereas I think adverts for women are always showing that they're trying to fill a void and making women feel that I suppose they're deficient in something. Yeah. Not one of my funny jokes, I'm afraid, no, just not, an observation. Yeah. Do, do you know, Prof David Healy, the psychiatrist from North Wales, has written a lot on fluoxetine over the years, but he used to do a very clever session where he showed a depressed woman as depicted in pharmaceutical adverts over the 80s, late 80s, 90s. And it was really clever how a depressed woman in the 80s looked a certain way, portrayed to us by the adverts. And then we're we're shown a completely different depressed woman in the 90s who's in a tracksuit about to run a marathon. And it was all very clever marketing by Big Pharma. Not a classic Christmas anecdote. When it comes up to Christmas, it's like, what do you think people want and what do you think people are looking for? And I think that the market changes around Christmas, doesn't it? From this is what we think women want to, like you said earlier, this is what we think men think women want. So it's an interesting change in market. If you're enjoying this episode of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society's Pharmacine podcast, don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about it. And remember, if you're a pharmacist, Becoming a member of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society will support your career, build your skills and represent your interests. Visit www.rfarms.com forward slash RPS membership to find out more. The fourth and final round called the Pharmacists Bring the Party and it's party essentials that you can buy at your local pharmacy. And I think the main problem with these is the definition of the word party, because clearly there has been some disagreement here between the marketing team and the rest of humanity as to what constitutes a party. First, we have the Four Seasons Party Pack, and this includes a squash drink of your choice. So you can have orange, lemon, grapefruit squash, among many other flavours. Along with this, you have a carafe in which you can store your squash, party novelties, glasses and things like hats and masks. 
So what makes squash such a good party drink? I mean, this is the worst of the lot, isn't it? It's just awful. Do you remember that character in the fast show? Colin Hunt. Yeah, yeah be well careful done. now. Yeah, Colin Hunt, the sort of joker at the party who's always sort of pulling off these lame gags. This is just depressing. <laughs> it makes me want to know what your uh, go-to Christmas drinks are. Do you have a special Christmas cocktail? Well, I'm not sure what it's called, but I was once served something really warm from a lavender-scented bottle. I do have some lavender scented gin at home so that's making me think twice about where that might have come from (laughs) I like a good eggnog at Christmas it takes me back to my nan bless her she would always oh drink some she was only tiny she's like four foot eleven or something and I was six foot and she'd always like push it up to my lips oh try some of this eggnog yeah, yeah, I remember having to campaign as a teenager to try a snowball, I think. Warnings, Advocar, and... That's it, yeah. Baby sham was a Christmas drink, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. you could get your baby sham glasses. But not dissimilar yeah. to this, I think. I think I'd prefer baby sham to squash, though. I think they still make baby sham, don't they? With the Bambi on it? Tiny little bottle. Do pharmacies sell... Excuse my ignorance. Do pharmacies sell alcohol? Not anymore. I... Not anymore, no. So you're not going to get baby sham down no. the pharmacy? You're not. Sonatogen tonic wine? Uh, possibly, I would say. Well, I doubt there's any demand for it. But, um... What about other party-themed material? Would you get masks or anything else in this Four Seasons party pack? I don't want to lower the tone, but having just done round three on sexism, if you said now going into a pharmacy to buy a, a Four Seasons party pack, I think it would be mainly of the rubber variety. <laughs> that was the first thing that popped into my head as well. I just didn't say it, Steve. I remember a party pack being sold that was basically a collection of hangover cures. I think it was like put together by the pharmacy and they'd put it in a bag. I think it was a Dioralite sachet, some paracetamol and well, that might have been it, but it was sold obviously at a horrendous markup as a sort of hangover pack to students. Is that when you could get Dioralite? You can't get it, can you? No, you haven't been (laughs) able to get it for a while. It's a shocker actually. So again, I was talking to my dad in advance of this because he's still interested and I was showing him some of the adverts and he remembered some of them. He didn't remember the Mr. Turnit one, I must say. Are you sure he's still interested, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) But I told him about Diorolite and I said, yeah, dad, you can't get Diorolite. And he's like, what? What do you mean? And then he reminded me that he used to make his own for himself. This is a serious point now. There's got to be some cases out there where somebody, some adult, tried to work out how to make their own for children and got it horribly wrong in relation to the amount of salt, for example, that they put in it. It's a real problem, that actually, the diorolite, because it is a fantastic hangover cure. Let's not beat around the bush. I mean, Jamie and I were students together, and if I could open the sachet, put it into a pint of water, I would actually take it before I went to sleep because it was a brilliant hangover cure. We're getting all the inside scoop here now. That leads us to the next and our final advert for the review, which is the new party season tie-up for Aspro, which is an aspirin-based painkiller. I think it was a sort of powdered painkiller. So they were selling these to tie up your profits this Christmas. So they were definitely trying to hit that party hangover market. Do you think there is an increase in sales in painkillers over the festive period? I was going to say undoubtedly, and you might find that actually some of that might coincide with the release of this podcast. Sorry, I'm just laughing at my own jokes now. (laughs) 
yeah, but I suppose the thing I worry about is people turning to the internet to buy their medicine. Sure. I think that's a real worry because I don't yeah. think some people can even distinguish between a genuine pharmacy and a, a dodgy pharmacy that might actually sell them fake. So I think that's a real worry for our profession. Yeah. It's right, right up there with making up your own oral rehydration therapy, isn't it? That one my, as well, yeah. My advice is take nothing because nothing acts faster than anodine. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Check that one with the lawyers. The other one, it's not a painkiller, but you never get a second chance to make a first impression. What was that an advert for? Head and shoulders. Yes. What are the best or worst New Year's Eve or Christmas parties you've ever been to? Are you ready for this? <laughs> I choose the one where people threw their 1950s clown bottles into a hat and you had to go home with whichever one you picked out at random. <laughs> <laughs> you've worked really hard at this, Paris, too, I must say. <laughs> so I just find myself wondering, I don't know. Would we still see adverts claiming that a medicine would solve a hangover? But we wouldn't get away these days, would we, with making a claim like this for paracetamol? You see it for IVs now, though. Oh, God, you do, don't you? Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think of the IVs that are marketed to people, you know, going to a shopping centre and being able to get hooked up and choose from a menu and get get all sorts of products just shot right in? The world's gone mad. Somebody recently approached me in all seriousness and said that they were thinking about doing beauty therapies. Is this what you mean? Where they then like say, what do you want in your intravenous yeah, product? Yeah, so like choosing from a menu of smoothies. Yeah, and it was a healthcare professional and they were genuine. They thought it was a good market to get into. And I, I don't think they knew me very well because I gave them very short thrift, I must say, and said, I think you want to think long and hard before you do anything like that. And you want to check with your defence union before you go any further. I think it's that lack of awareness, though. I mean, do any of you worry about... Get your jokes back on. Come on. (laughs) Get your IV joke out. It's one of those things, isn't it, that the first time you see it, you think, what the hell is that? And as a professional, you think, you know, nonsense and dangerous on multiple levels. But there's things from five, ten years ago, you know, Botox and eyebrows and stuff that you may have thought the same thing about that suddenly is common standard practice and nobody raises an eyebrow at it, particularly if you've had Botox. I just thought of that one. I don't want to give Donald Trump any oxygen, but surely people haven't forgotten people like him being idiotic and talking about intravenous bleach for COVID. I mean, it's just beggar's belief yeah. of what the public would be sold. I mean, I... The really sad thing is that a lot of people did follow his advice. People died taking hydroxychloroquine, which Mm. wasn't even a genuine drug that they'd taken. So I think it is important, actually, to look at the messaging around medicines and how, as pharmacists, we can help educate patients. Jump in, Catherine, and remind them it's a Christmas special, will you? (laughs) I want to hear Paris do's hangover cure joke first. Oh, this is appalling. Okay, so it's not homemade, but the best hangover remedy by a long chalk is calcium carbonate tablets. Don't even laugh at that. And on that mic drop, that was the final round of our Cracking Christmas podcast. And what a box of delights we've been treated to. STC, were there any standout gifts out of the adverts we've just seen? Well, as I said, I don't have any hair, so I'm not going to be needing some of them. I'll take the Vaco tea flask. Thank you very much. Yeah, put me down for a flask as well. I'm sorry. Yeah, Mo? So I've been wondering what to get, Jamie and Steve. So um, <laughs> there's a Four Seasons party pack in the post for both of you. Because I know Woo-hoo! you were like a pair of jokers. And Paris, do what's on your Christmas list now? It's, it's just got to be Mr. Turnip, I'm afraid. 
I think it's safe to say that there have been significant improvements in gifts available from the pharmacy, even if you consider the abundance of those big gift packs. On a final note, we must say that we take no responsibility for the quality of gifts or lack thereof that you may receive this Christmas season. I hope you enjoyed our look back at Christmas past and I hope it hasn't left anyone too traumatised. If nothing else, I hope it's made us all just a little bit more grateful for whatever gift we're lucky enough to receive this year. Thank you very much to Steve, Gimmo, Jamie from the Oral Apothecary and to Paris Du, our chief scientist here at the RPS. Please do check out the Oral Apothecary. On any podcast player. And given it's Christmas, you can enjoy the um, Oral Apothecary Spotify playlist, a great Christmas listen, which Steve has put up there. So we ask all our guests to pick a song. Yes. But of course, the most famous thing, if you come on as a guest on the Oral Apothecary, is you get to give a Desert Island drug, as well as a career anthem and a book for the Oral Apothecary Library. But I think we've plugged it hard enough. And uh, don't forget to visit the RPS Museum open 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, or online at museum.rfarms.com. I just want to highlight the recent award that we've launched for early career pharmacists and other researchers working within the field of pharmacy. The nicely named OPRA Outstanding Pharmacy Early Career Researcher Award 2023. Get your nominations in by end of January, please, via the PJ website. Thanks very much for having us on. We very much appreciate it. It's been good fun. Thank you very much. Last but not least, I hope everybody has a very Merry Christmas and a Happy yeah. New Year. Yeah. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks for listening to the Royal Pharmaceutical Society's Pharmacine Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, why not tell your friends and colleagues about it? And remember, if you're a pharmacist, membership of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society will support your career, build your skills and represent your interests. Visit www.rfarms.com forward slash rps hyphen membership to find out more. Look out for the next Pharmacine episode on all good podcast sources. See you next time.